This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I'm here with Scott Eklund, our recruiting editor. And uh, it's Friday, June 7th. And, of course, you know what that means, Scott. That means official visit weekend. When did we ever yeah. think in the world we would ever be saying that? Uh, yeah, I, I never really thought. I always thought it was going to end up being in, in the fall, and, and it's changed this year. And Washington, you know, this is the second year they've allowed visits in the middle of the year, like the spring and summertime. And, um, you know, Washington always appeared to be more inclined to bring their guys in during the fall. But I think with the truncated timelines for some of these kids and everything like that, they want to get things out of the way. Washington's taking their swing now and and hoping that they can they can reel some of these guys in. Yeah, I think this is something that people are going to have to get used to, and I know this is going to really cramp Washington style because of a few things. I mean, first of all, being uh, a, a program that certainly places a high value on academics and having that all taken care of, it's very difficult to have a great handle on how a kid is doing academically this early on. The the six months between now and, you know, September, October, that's, uh, you know, November, that, that really can actually be a huge difference, especially um, when they're looking for kids that can possibly enroll early. You hope, and, and again, I think the, the, the trend and the culture is starting to, to go more towards guys enrolling early. So you assume guys are getting into their academics and things like that earlier, and that makes sense. But clearinghouse stuff, standardized testing, all of those kinds of things, those are still on a schedule that I think is a little behind what the recruiting is 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 kind of ramped up to at this point. And so that's one thing to consider. The other thing to consider too is that Washington just doesn't like to maintain guys for this long. They just don't. They want guys that are committed and then they're done. You know, so Asa Turner, you know, he commits in June, July last year. They have to like they have to maintain that commitment all the way through the February signing period. That's just not optimally what Chris Peterson and his staff are all about. They want locked up, done, OKG, man of his word, all this, that, and the other thing. But there's just too many variables now. Too many kids are getting pulled in too many different directions. You know, family members, they've got trainers and people around them too. And, you know, everybody's got an agenda, right? So there's all these things kind of going into the mix. And now all of a sudden you've put it into hyperspeed and have all these official visits. I can't believe that Chris Peterson's happy about this development at all. No, I, I don't think that, I mean, if, if he had his druthers, all the official visits for Washington would be those last two weeks of, or I guess it'd be the first two weeks of December, last two weeks of before the uh, mid-year signing period and, or the early signing period, whatever you want to call it. And um, I think if he had his druthers, that's where it would go. But, you know, unfortunately, Chris Peterson, for Chris Peterson, he doesn't have control of that. And so these kids have kind of made it that Washington has to bring these guys in early. And Washington's going to put their best foot forward. One thing I will say for those who are worried about the weather, um, these visits like in, in May and, and June, if they do official visits in May and June, um, are going to have a better chance of having better weather than the ones in, in December and in January. So, you know, the people who are worried about that should be a little bit uh, happier. But, uh, you know, I I don't know. I, I'm not a huge fan of, of this, but it is what it is. And, and a place like Washington is going to be able to feature 
um, the city of Seattle a little bit more than maybe some of those other schools, like, like a school like Oregon State or Washington State, who doesn't have a ton going on this time of year around campus. And so they have to kind of generate a lot of those different things that are going on. Washington's still in school right now. I mean, they, they, they have guys still going to school. And so there's, there's a little bit of a campus life. There's also um, what's going on in the city of Seattle that they can present to recruits. And, and I think that's something that Washington is going to play up quite a bit. But, you know, Chris, you kind of laid it out. I mean, these kids are getting pulled in many different directions, and these coaches are nonstop. They're relentless on these kids. And people can cry about it all they want, that these kids aren't OKG because they're not sticking to what they promised and everything like that. But it's it's a lot on these kids. And and then you throw in the fact that um, you know, they, they have coaches. These coaches are played, paid multi-millions of dollars to – recruit these kids and be salesmen for their program and it's really tough to say no and so you know washington's gonna have to just grit their teeth and bear it until something changes in the way the recruiting process is going yeah and and i i think you bring up obviously a great point scott in terms of you know I, i think the way that this weekend sets up and again there's 10 guys coming in 10 prospects it kind of falls in line with how they would like to approach a December visit weekend, for instance. They they would want a, you know double-digit numbers. Guys coming in together as a group could kind of envision themselves playing with each other, creating kind of this, this peer group, this, uh, you know, I don't know if peer pressure is going to be the right way to describe it, but kind of create this situation where all these guys are kind of, oh, okay, I like that guy. I could see myself playing with that guy and all that kind of stuff. And then you add to it, there's a number of guys here. In fact, I would say the vast majority of them, I know there's a couple that want to wait till later, but a lot of these guys want to make their decisions before their senior seasons. I think that's another reason why all this stuff's getting ramped up as well. So you hear all these different things, but I get the sense that Chris Peterson is looking at this and going, okay, we're not going to be able to change how sped up this recruiting calendar has gotten. So let's adapt. Let's try to take this December mentality that we have and just try to put it on a, a weekend or two that we have in, in June. Cause you've got to remember the, to let people know the recruiting calendar allows for official visits this time of year to start April 1st. And I think they go pretty much through the end of June. You know, I think what they, what they're trying to do here is saying, okay, we went out because we had to. We had spring football all through April. Now we used all of May for our evaluations process, and now we're going to use June to try to lock up a number of these guys that want to make early decisions. So we're going to try to do it as late in this kind of Juneish calendar as we can, kind of like they would do at the end of De- or beginning of December, right before the mid-year signing period, so that they can get all these guys kind of bundled up kind of thinking, all right, we got these guys uh, ready to go. They're going to go ahead and sign in mid-December, and now they can really focus their efforts on guys that are planning to wait until maybe announcing at an All-American Bowl or waiting until they're going to go ahead and, and sign in February. Is that is that kind of get is that the sense that you're getting? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, they're just they're working within the system that they're that they have to work within. I mean, that's really what it is, is, all right, well, this is where things are headed. We've either got to 
um, bang our heads against the wall and, and be frustrated by it, or we can adapt to it and figure out a way to make it work in our favor. And I think that's what Washington's doing that, you know, later this month, um, we, we still haven't really determined who is or figured out who's going to be an official visitor. If there's going to be any official visitors for that, uh, second to last weekend, the 22nd of, of, uh, June, um, when they're having the big recruiting barbecue and that's when all of the, um, all of the guys who haven't shown up yet from the 2019 class that signed are showing up to start their the elite program and everything like that. So going to be a huge get together on that weekend. So um, honestly, I was a little surprised that this weekend coming up that we're going to be talking about here in a second with 10 guys coming in, wasn't pushed back to, until that, that time. But if you look, a lot of these guys are taking visits that weekend so Washington decided that they're going to have two big recruiting weekends. They're going to have this official visitor weekend where they have 10 guys in. They might bring some official visitors in that last, that, you know, the 22nd, the weekend of June and the third weekend of June, I guess is what it would be. But uh, they're going to bring guys in for that. Um, but I think it's going to be more unofficial visitors than official visitors for that one. Yeah. And also to let people know, this weekend, this coming Sunday, so two days from now, is Washington's big seven-on-seven seven, uh, tournament that they're having on campus with all the local high school teams and what have you. So I think it kind of folds in nicely with this weekend, especially when you wouldn't expect them to try to fold in a, a recruiting weekend of this magnitude with 10 official visitors in, like with Rising Stars, for instance. You know, there's just too many guys for that. So that's why I'm wondering how they're going to how they're going to mix and match that that June 22nd weekend because you're having so many other guys coming in for unofficial visits does it make sense to to mix in some official guys are there going to be like you said some guys that that might make last minute decisions to officially visit Washington before if they you know if they're thinking about making a, a decision before their senior seasons for instance well, and then, like you said, too, there's a number of guys that are already officially visiting other places because they're thinking the same thing that Washington's thinking. They're thinking, hey, if a guy's going to make a decision before his senior season, let's get in right under the wire. Let's get in and be that recruit's last thought. Let's be the last people to get a chance to see him before you know the, the, the calendar runs out and we don't get a chance to talk to him anymore because after that weekend – pretty much dead right it's, it's there's nothing going on they can't really do anything in terms of contact outside of campus until you know shoot until you know on what november well, december well well they can they can text and things like that and do right, Skype but i'm talking about actual contact guys. like on actual like, physical physical, physical yeah, in person yeah. well no because there's a lot of schools that are having their camps in july um, and wash, but Washington's coaching staff takes bait. I don't want to say they take it off where they're not at the offices or anything like that, but Washington, Chris Peterson wants to get his guys away from the, from the, from the, you know, the football stuff for a little while, let them go on vacations with their family and things like that. So that's why Washington pushes a lot of their stuff into June, gets a lot of that stuff done, gets all their camps done and everything like that. Cause they don't want their guys working in the month of, uh, in the month of July, they want them to take the time off to spend with their families. And so um, there are some schools that do stuff in July, I believe. Um, I, I know uh, Oregon does a Friday Night Lights thing. I know Florida does something like that as well in July, like right before the start of their fall camp. 
and things like that. But for the most part, yeah, I mean, this is going to be the last time Washington's coaches are going to be able to have an in-person uh, uh, meeting with these kids until, um, gosh, the start of, in September. Right. So let's get into the meat of it and talk about the players. Uh, just to recap, Washington has uh, five verbal commits for the 2020 class. All of them, weirdly enough, are on offense. They've got their quarterback mm-hmm. in Ethan Garbers. They've got a running back in uh, JV on Sunday from uh, Texas. They've got a receiver in Sawyer Racanelli. They've got a tight end in Mark Redman. They've got an offensive lineman in Guard Memelar. So it's not surprising that they've got a, quite a few uh, defensive players in for this coming weekend, but there's still only, from my count, it only looks like about four of them are coming in, but one of them is a guy that you've already put in a crystal ball to Washington for, and that's defensive end Jake Shipley. Tell people about Jake. Yeah, Jake is out of um, Shadow Hills, which is down in Indio, California. I think that's kind of out in the... I think it's Palm Springs, if I remember right. Yeah, Palm Springs area. Yeah, I was just going to say that. So 6'4", 250 pounds, has offers from quite a few schools, actually just visited Arizona State recently. I think that was last weekend that he visited them. Uh, Really enjoyed his visit down there. Washington is seen as another school that's right there at the top. I think that Washington is basically uh, the odds-on favorite to get him. He he loved his... uh, unofficial visit that he took up here in I believe April and came away with a with an offer from the University of Washington uh, loved his time on campus said he really felt like he fit in with the the coaching staff and the players when he was up on campus and and just really felt the love from the University of Washington coaching staff and so I think think that Washington, as long as they knock it out of the park like they usually do um, during these official visit weekends, I think they've got a great shot at reeling him in. If it, if it doesn't happen this weekend, I believe it happens here over the next couple weeks. So now going to, uh, you know, going back a little bit to that front seven, there's another guy here, a really intriguing kid named Cooper McDonald from Texas, uh, outside linebacker, listed at 6'3", 220. Um, you know, people are wondering why Washington's spending so much time in Texas nowadays. Well, Chris Peterson, when he was at Boise State with his guys, spent a ton of time in Texas. And I think now that you're getting into the fifth, sixth, seventh years of what Chris Peterson's putting together at Washington, you know, this is a situation where they're going to start to branch out slowly but surely outside of the natural footprint of the Northwest in California. We saw it obviously with Hawaii last year uh, where they can, where they can find guys of a certain class that just happened to be together. And um, you know, they got a guy, uh, like I said, JV on Sunday, the running back from Texas. So Cooper McDonald, what do you think of, uh, of him? And, and um, you know, can they get another guy from Texas? Yeah. I, you know, right now they're there. They're his best offer. Washington is, uh, I mean, he has offers from Utah, which I think is a pretty good uh, offer for a defensive guy, especially. Um, and the, he has an offer from Colorado, and he really likes them a lot. And he's got an offer from Baylor. And I know Baylor's kind of fallen on some hard times, but they started to pick things back up d- down there and everything like that. Um, I, I think Washington's his best offer, and I think that's the one where, where he's really looking at, at uh, um, what Washington – you know, can offer him not just as a football player, but after school is over with. And and that was a big thing he talked about when I talked to him right after he got his offer from the university of Washington. And he, he said, Washington is a school that, you know, even though it's 2000 miles away from where I live or, you know, 1500, whatever it is miles, he said, I just really like the thought of, of what 
they have to offer as a school and as a football program. And I know they're winning a lot. They won the last couple Pac-12 champ. He said the last couple Pac-12 championships. We know, you know, Husky fans will know that it was two out of the last three. But anyway, um, you know, he it's good he's recruiting pretty, by them if that's what they've been telling him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I I think he's a guy that that um, Washington has a great shot. At reeling in the the one question that I have is they're only going to take one maybe two linebackers in this class and when I say linebackers I mean guys who aren't the the um uh, what do they call it the the buck linebacker jack linebacker position I I I think they would prefer just to take uh, one or two and so I I think that McDonald is a guy who they think can fit into either an inside role or an outside role. Although I think they really want him on the edge because of how good he is at rushing the quarterback, um, you know, on blitzes and things like that and, and how well he plays in space. And I think that's something that we're going to have to kind of just keep an eye on. But, um, you know, I, I think Baylor, if they really push hard on him, they might be the school to beat. But I think Washington's right there, and I think this visit, uh, since it'll be his first time in the state of Washington, I think he's got a great shot at uh, kind of falling in love with this place and, and ended up a Husky when it's all said and done. Now, going into the secondary, we know how well Jimmy Lake and Will Harris have been recruiting the last few cycles. They got a couple guys coming in. One's a safety, one's a cornerback. The safety, kind of a late addition to the uh, list this weekend. Mikel Estein from Lawndale in, in uh, Southern California. Kind of, I think that's uh, Lawndale might be Inland Empire-ish area, if I remember right. And then uh, Jacoby Covington from Saguaro in Scottsdale, which people remember another cornerback that happened to come from Saguaro in Scottsdale by the name of Byron Murphy. So uh, a couple guys there for the secondary. What's your read on those two guys right now, Scott? And actually, Chris, not to contradict you, but there's actually a third. Oh, um, there is. Jackson, yeah, he's listed as a wide receiver. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And, You're right. You're right. Four seven database, but he's actually being recruited by Jimmy Lake as a as a corner. And prospect he was a he was a late addition as well, right? Yes, he and Esteen are teammates. They're both on Lawndale's team, and um, they they're teammates and. They decided to bring both of those guys in together. I, I think Washington's in great shape with both of them, by the way. Um, that being said, let's let's really quick move on to Covington because he's a guy who's really interesting. Um, you know, you, you asked that everybody remembers Byron Murphy, and I'm sure everybody is really excited that Washington has a great uh, relationship uh, with that Saguaro uh, staff and have really developed a pipeline there. The problem is Covington – didn't get as much notice, and the and even if he commits to the University of Washington, fans are still going to lament that his teammate, um, by the name of Keely Ringo, is a guy who uh, is from the state of Washington and isn't even considering the Huskies anymore. And um, I, I think people have more angst about that than excitement about J- Jacoby Covington. So um, that should be real interesting. Anyway, Covington, 6'1", 193 can play corner, can play safety. I think Washington is looking at him as a corner. Sticky, really strong. He, he actually reminds me a lot of Keith Taylor, the way he plays football. He's physical at the line of scrimmage, doesn't let guys off the line of scrimmage. And um, his recruitment has been kind of interesting because Oklahoma held such a prominent position for him for such a long time. 
And Washington was the school that he really wanted an offer from. But I think because of some of uh, the academic work he needed to get done before they, they offered, I think they, they took their time and evaluated and kept watching him and, and, and seeing what he ended up doing. And he ended up doing the work. And I think he's progressed to the point now where they feel comfortable uh, with offering him and making him a priority and that they feel like he can get in. So that's the guy from Saguaro down there in uh, Scottsdale. As far as the two guys from Lawndale, Michaela Steen, he's being projected as anywhere from a corner to a slot corner to a, to a safety spot. They feel that he can play almost anywhere. He's 6'1", 170 pounds, has good range, good ball skills. I like him a lot. Elijah Jackson, the other one, 6'2", 175. He's projected as a wide receiver by 24-7. Washington likes him as a corner prospect outside playing in that in that uh, kind of physical role that he can play in and everything like that. And his ball skills are outstanding, too. I think Washington has a chance of filling up three of their four spots in the secondary this weekend. Yeah, I was going to say, too, Scott, not to sound like a broken record or beating the dead horse or whatever cliche you want to use. 6-1, 6-1, 6-2. These are guys, these are the kind of guys that Will Harris and Jimmy Lake are going after. It, it you know, the, the days of, is now, and, and no offense to a guy like Miles Bryant, who is an absolute stud, but, you know, I think the guys, the, the, the days of the 5'8", five, 5'9", five, guys are over at Washington when it comes to the kind of athletes that they can bring in nowadays. And, um, you know, it just, it just well, feels like that's just the way they're going. I think a guy like Byron Murphy is going to be an outlier as well. He was 5'11". Yeah, but he's, you know, just, you know again, such a rare athlete and such a rare like, talent. Yeah. They may make an exception for a guy like him or maybe, uh, you know, who else would be another mm-hmm. guy like that. But, um, you know, for, for instance, you know, a Sidney Jones or, a, like you said, a Keith Taylor, um, you know, guys like uh, Dominique Campton. Th- those guys seem to be now the blueprint the of the guys that they're looking for physically. Well, how, how long did we – I mean, so offenses usually dictate what defenses are going to do as far as uh, the kind of players that they end up bringing in and, and who does better. Well, for a long time, wide receivers were in the, um, you know, five, seven to six-foot range and, and could just run circles around some of these bigger cornerbacks. So cornerbacks got smaller so they could be quicker and – and, uh, you know, be able to handle uh, coverage with these guys. And now with receivers regularly being in the 6'3", 220-pound range, they have to get bigger in order to be able to do it. Besides that, the, the kind of defenses teams are running nowadays, they want guys who can play uh, not just on an island and bump and run, but they want guys who are going to be able to handle playing that off-man that they that they, that they run quite a bit the cover three the the um, um, you know cover two defense that a lot of teams run nowadays they want guys who are going to be able to play in zones and when you got guys with really long arms who are going to be able to reroute guys but also be very tough to throw against you know when they're dropping into zones that's really what's going to make the difference and that's what they're going with in their in Washington's defense been a lot of defenses nowadays and that's why you're seeing a lot of these guys. Who, are, who may have been wide receivers back in the day because they play both ways for their teams, but where they're, they were used to be recruiting at them as receivers, now they're recruiting them as DBs, and these guys are making millions of dollars because they're going very early in the NFL draft. No, that's an excellent point, excellent point. Certainly seen, the game seems to be going vertical, no doubt about it. Um, let's move to the offensive line because 
I think that's where a lot of Washington fans that follow recruiting are going to be putting their focus in this weekend because there's two big-time targets. Uh, the offensive tackle, Roger Rosengarten from uh, Colorado, who has narrowed it down to Washington and Oregon, is in for his official visit, assuming this is maybe going to be his last official visit before he decides. And then uh, and then Miles Morale, a guy who's been a longtime Washington target uh, from modern day. And, um, you know, he seems to be a guy that could be a perfect fit in terms of sliding in for Nick Harris, for instance, um, could be that next center in waiting. Uh, but those two guys, Rosengarten and Morale, I think those – uh, guys are ones that uh, Washington fans are going to be paying a lot of attention to this weekend. Yeah, and Washington has held a very special place in uh, Miles Murrow's, uh, uh heart for a while. He's been up to visit Washington twice unofficially, and this will be his third visit officially, and or his his first official visit, but his his third visit overall. And you know, one thing he said to me at the camp that I was at, down at, he says. The fact that I could go in there and have a chance to start right away um, is huge. And that's one of the reasons he likes Washington so much. He said the other reasons are Chris Peterson and Scott Huff. And the third reason, and that's a big one, is the education and, and how they take care of their team and that built for life program. And that's what has really sold he and his mom. I know he came out with a group, but what was it, a seven, a list of top seven uh, the other day. Right. Uh, but almost everybody thinks that this is a three-team race with Washington, USC, and UCLA all vying for his services. USC is widely considered the leader. I mean, most kids who go to modern day, it's like a pipeline there. And so Washington's got stuff to overcome. But I think the fact that Miles Morale wants to come up and, and visit this early as an official visitor and – um, there is a chance he could still come up and visit unofficially during the, during the season at some point. Um, boy, I I I'm, I hesitate to say that Washington's going to grab him, but I don't think it's as far off as some people think it could be. As far as Roger Rosengarten, big guy, um, what is he? Six uh, seven, two seventy five. Right. Can play either tackle spot. I think he looks like a great fit at right tackle. He looks like uh, Caleb McGarry did. To me, his athleticism, the way he plays football, he looks like Caleb McGarry to me coming out of high school. And I think he'd be a great fit at right tackle. Um, he's down to Washington and Oregon. Like you said, Chris took a visit to Oregon last week. Oregon blew him away. And and I would be shocked right now, as of today, if, if it came down to making that decision, it would be Oregon. But Washington kills it on their official visits. Most schools do. Let's be honest. Most schools kill it on their official visit. Washington is no exception. They do very well on their official visits. They really sell the family. And what they sell, and I'm not saying Oregon doesn't have a lot of great stuff to sell, but what Washington sells is not just the next four years, but the next 40 years of your life. What's it going to be like? Where do you want to be? What, do you, what are your goals for yourself after football is concerned. And I think that's something that they're really going to have to impress upon him is that, hey, Oregon is Oregon, and we get it, but we're looking for a different kind of player here and somebody who is more interested in what their future is than what than what the next four years is. And so I think Washington would really – this is a head-to-head -head battle. He's got the head coach of Oregon who is the – he's not the – O-line coach, I think Mirabal, I think is the O-line coach down there, but um, Coach Cristobal 
is an offensive line coach at heart, and he, he goes directly over to that, and I think that's a big thing. Oregon only had one other official visitor down there, and it was another offensive lineman, and the two bonded really well. So I think that might be one of the reasons Miles Murao is being brought up, Chris, like you mentioned at the very beginning of this, where they bring in guys to be with each other and to feel like they bond on those trips. And then maybe they say to themselves, hey, we can have this kind of you know, great relationship and, and get this momentum going for the school that we were just at. And I think that's one thing they're, they're banking on with these guys. Right now, if you were to ask me where these guys end up, I'd say USC for Mural and Oregon for, for Rosengarten. But talk to me after these visits are over, and that might have changed. Right, because a couple things. First of all, just to give people a, a sense of Miles Morales' top seven, uh, he's got them listed this way. He's got Georgia, Texas A&M, Washington, USC, LSU, Oregon, UCLA. So kind of a who's who there. Um, the other thing I was going to say, too, is that a lot of people have talked about, you know, Scott Huff wanting to bring in at least four guys. He already has one in guard, Memelar from Idaho. And then I know Garen Hatchett is another guy we've talked about a ton in terms of being a local kid. Uh, you know, could you know, will he stay? I know Oklahoma's hot on him. But then you bring in Morale and Rosengarten. Would that be kind of the top four guys? If they could if Scott Huff could create kind of his dream twenty twenty class, would it be Memelar, Hatchett, Rosengarten, Morale? Boy, it's hard to say because Jeffrey Percy is also kind of hanging around out there. That's the kid from Jay Sarah that they like a lot, and they offered pretty early in the process too. But, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, on paper, those would probably be the top four guys. If they could guarantee themselves they were going to get those four guys, I think that's who they would go with. Um, but right now, I think Washington has a better shot with Percy than they have with a guy like Morale. And, and so we'll just have to kind of see, see how things go here over the next few months. Okay. Well, now there's another kid from Colorado, Cole Taylor, tight end, 6'6", 225. And Washington already has a, a, a big-time tight end commit in Mark Redman. We know they want to take two tight ends in this class because they didn't, they didn't take one in the 2019 class. What do you think are their chances with a guy like Cole Taylor? Well, you know, because they're bringing in Ben Urasek, too, the kid out of Bakersfield Christian, True. and we'll talk yep. about him That's in right. a second. Those, those are the two guys that they, they've kind of honed in on and, and have really focused on. And I, I like both of their games, but I said it in the story that I did this morning um, that of the two, um, Cole Taylor is the one that I liked a little bit more. It isn't, there's nothing against um, Ben Urasek. I think he's a heck of a player and everything like that. But if I had to choose one, I'd choose uh, Cole Taylor. I think he's got a higher upside. I think he's a special talent. I think he can block already. I think he's already a pretty dang good blocker. Um, and he loves, loves uh, to run down the field and catch passes. You know, but, you know, you could say that about a lot of kids. So um, I just, I think this he's a special player. And I think Washington, for them to get in, I don't want to say late, but they get it, get it, did get in late considering that they just offered him within the last month and he um, just scheduled the visit and he wants to make his decision by the end of June. So, you know, that's big for the University of Washington to get him up here. And I think if they had their druthers, I think that would end up being who, it, who they end up with. Um, ben Urasek is, is another guy. He's actually from 
the Seattle area or from the Bellevue area, actually. Um, and uh, I don't know how long he spent there, um, at least the first like 10 years of his life, something like that. I don't know what exactly it is. And uh, he uh, really enjoyed his time when he came up and visited during the spring. Um, he has a lot of family in the area that doesn't hurt their chances with him either. Um, so, uh, but he is a very heavy Stanford lean. And when you're going up against Stanford and it comes to, uh, tight ends, you're going to lose more, more battles than you're going to win when it's those guys. Cause those guys just, they're, they are churning out tight ends left and right. Washington is too. I don't want to discount what Washington's doing at the tight end position, but right now Stanford has that rep as being that school. If you're a tight end and want to go to the NFL, you go to Stanford because they use their tight ends. They use them as blockers. They teach them how to block, and they're very good at it. And you could end up in, as a first, second, third rounder. Washington just had a second rounder themselves, right? Is, uh, sample went in the True second sample. round, right? Yep, he sure did. Cincinnati. Went in the second round. So, um, you know, Washington can still point to those things kind of too. But uh, I, I, I think Cole Taylor is their better shot right now. But we'll just have to wait and see. They're going to, once again, take their shot and see what they see what they can reel in. A couple things, Scott. First of all, I completely agree with Stanford, especially with Urasek, and he's a kid. You know, again, you know, when you're from that relative area, he's from Bakersfield, so he's just south of the Bay Area. You know, you, you got to like their chances because that's kind of shooting fish in a barrel for them. Um, you know, they don't offer a ton of kids, but usually the ones they do offer are the guys that have the academics and have wanted to be Stanford guys for a while. So you have to think they're in pole position. Just to give also a people a sense of what Ta uh, Cole Taylor has done in terms of his offers. And he does have two more uh, June visits that he's going to take official visits. He's going to be going straight from Washington down to LSU. And then after that, he's going to go to Penn State on that final weekend. So he's got LSU, Missouri, Penn State, and Washington are the four visits right now. But, you know, other than those offers, I mean, you've got schools like Auburn who's offered, uh, you know, Let's see, Michigan is offered, Nebraska, Oregon, uh, Texas A&M, Utah, West Virginia. So, you, I mean, this is a kid that's super coveted. And so I would agree. I think of the two, you certainly have to feel like Cole Taylor is, is, is the one, not so much because he's super favoring Washington right now. I think they'll make a great impression on him this weekend. But I think it's because Urasek is, is one of those kids that when they start you know, when they start putting teams like Stanford, for instance, in the crosshairs, it's kind of hard to put them off of that. I know they'll obviously put their best foot forward this weekend. They'll certainly give him something to think about. But in the end, you got to think Stanford's going to be hard to beat on that score. Um, I so, think there's. So if you think about it, Chris, Washington has only won two battles with Stanford head to head, where it was them and Stanford. It wasn't anybody else involved, right? And it's defensive backs. It right. was Trent. Uh, it was McDuffie, Trent McDuffie, and it was uh, Elijah, Elijah Molden. Molden. Yeah. And those are the two big ones where it was Washington and, and Stanford. And Washington pulled those guys in. Washington does not win a lot of battles with Stanford when it comes to guys who have the academics to get in both schools. So now we're going to save the best for last. And that's, of course, our the local guy, Sam Adams, the second from Eastside Catholic running back. You have him listed at 6'2", 200 pounds. Really just a great athlete overall. I mean, I was as impressed with what Sam did on the defensive side of the ball at the end of the year. Um, you know, for instance, what he did in that uh, bowl game against Peoria Centennial. 
as much as everyone wants to talk about JT to him allow, and they should when he had like five sacks in that game, uh, Sam Adams had a phenomenal game uh, there as well on both sides. So great athlete, obviously the son of Sam Adams, the great uh, NFL player. And, um, you know, it's going to be really, really interesting. I know you've put a crystal ball in for Washington already. Doesn't look like he's going to be set to make a, an early decision per se. But how do you kind of read this thing right now for Sam Adams? You know, I I really think that he's going to make a decision by the end of June, maybe in, sometime in July. And I think Washington's in a prime spot. Look, he's visiting uh, Ohio State. And trust me, he's good enough to play at Ohio State. But let's also look at the guys that Ohio State is recruiting at the running back position. I mean, Bijan Robinson, everybody should know that name, right? There's Bijan Robinson. There's um, Zachary Evans, who's the number one. Uh, I don't know if he's the number one overall player, but he is definitely the number one overall running back in the in the country right now. And um, they've got uh, they've got a couple other guys. I think that. Um, Kendall Milton, I think, is another one that they're bringing in. He's out of uh, California, uh, 6'2", 220 pounds. They're on, they're on all three of those guys. Those are big-time, big-time players. And Ohio State's bringing those guys in here over the next couple weeks. Um, nothing against Sam Adams. I think he could play for Ohio State and be very good there. But when you've got those three guys ahead of him and they're seriously considering you, are you really going to take Sam Adams at this point? I don't well, I'd know. Also say, I'd also say, too, that we're talking about Sam Adams still being a four-star player. Exactly. I mean, Sam Adams is not chopped liver, but those guys, no. as, far as, as far as what the evaluators are telling us, those three guys ahead of him are elite, elite talent. You absolutely are. And Sam Adams is a very elite talent as well, but I don't know if he's on the same level as those guys. I mean, those guys are freaks. And, I mean, Washington fans, I mean, seriously, you just don't understand what it's like to recruit as as a team like Ohio State until you, you go, well, of those three guys, who do I want more? You know? I mean, Zachary Evans, 5'11", 200 pounds. Kendall Milton, 6'2", 220. Bijan Robinson, 6'2", 200 pounds. I mean, they have um, 44 offers for Zachary Evans, 40 offers for Kendall Milton, and Bijan Robinson's at 21 offers, and I bet you he'd have more if he actually picked up his phone. So <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, it is, I mean, it, that is an embarrassment of riches from a standpoint of being able to. I don't want to say they can choose from him because these guys are still in the, you know, they're the ones who actually get to make the decision, but. Good God! Well, I mean, and they're and they're different type backs too, so it's not exactly yeah. like you're you're gonna say, oh, we want one, we want the 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 one guy that picks out of that three because they're all a little different. I'm not saying Ohio State could get maybe two of those guys, but I guarantee you they're probably telling them, hey, you 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 run different than this guy that you offer. A, you know, you're a change up for this guy, you're a change up for that guy. I, I mean, they could they could really spin it any which way to try to get more than one of those guys, which is an even scarier thought. It absolutely is. So, you know, at this point, when, you know, the, we'll, we'll start wrapping this thing up a little bit, but when you look at this, are these 10 guys, mm -hmm. what's the number that you have in mind? I know you've, you've, you've been out there saying that you think Washington could end up with 10 verbal commitments, the five they already have and potentially up to five more by the end of this month. Do you still yes. feel like that could happen? Do you think 
there could be five guys maybe out of this group? Honestly, I think I was conservative. <laughs> I, I think there could be a, even a couple more than that. But at this point, I would, I would say, I mean, I personally think Garen Hatchett is very close to popping for the University of Washington. That's the O-lineman from, um, from uh, Ferndale. I think Aiden Hector is very close to making his decision. He's a defensive back from Eastside Catholic. Then you've got Sam Adams. I've already put in a um, uh, crystal ball for Jake Shipley. I uh, put that, that in this morning. I think he's going to end up uh, uh, at the University of Washington. I think Jacoby Covington, Mikel Esteen, and Elijah Jackson all could wind up as Huskies here before the end of the month. And, I, you know, I'd put it at 50-50 with Roger Rosengarten. I know today Oregon's the heavy favorite, but if Washington knocks it out of the park, like I think they're going to this weekend, I think it's going to just come down to – I don't want to say a coin flick because pe- that'll trigger people who – got upset about the Chris Warren situation a couple years ago, but um, I think Washington did okay in that class. you remember who they took instead of Chris Warren? I think you're going to let me know. Miles Gaskin. Yeah. They got him instead well, of. But Miles, Miles was a guy that was already cut. Miles was already yeah, coming. They would have taken both of them, but yeah. would Miles Gaskin have had the career that he had if Chris Warren had True. been on this, the, the, you know, on the roster at the same time, same class. True. So what I'm saying, he might have redshirted. He might not have played right away. Heck, we don't even know if he would have stuck around. So I'm just saying, I think Washington did pretty well with the coin flip situation, even though it didn't go their way. But um, that being said, I think it could come down to a coin flip for Rosengarten. So what is that? Is that six guys that I predicted? I think Cooper McDonald's a guy who they could end up with. Um you know, I, I think this weekend is going to be really big for them uh, in reeling guys in by the end of the month. I, I think you could see at least six of these guys end up Huskies by the end of the month. And so I think we're also in agreement that, you, that we both believe Eurosec is probably, of this group of 10, probably going to be the hardest one to reel in? No, Mural. I think Mural of this group would be the toughest to reel in, and then Eurosec would be next. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, and then and then Cole Taylor right after him because of the options that he has and that Washington, while they've built up a good relationship with him, they've only been building it here for the last several months. Whereas some of these schools have been on him for over you know over a year, and and um, you know what when, when you have the the SEC, I don't know if people read the story that I did on Marcus Henderson, the kid from Tennessee who. Um, grew up here in the state of Washington and everything like that. But if you haven't, you should, because it gives a little insight on how SEC schools sell kids on staying home that are offered by Pac-12 schools from the South. You know, you know the, the kids from the South that are offered by Pac-12 schools. And they basically tell these kids, they don't play real football out there. We play real football out here. And if you, need, if you think you're going to be in the spotlight out there, you'll be in it much more here. Well, you know, that's what the Huskies and, and all these other schools, USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, they have to go in and sell these kids on the fact that they play good football out here in, in the Pac-12. And, and you know, Washington has a bunch of kids that they, that they have targeted that could end up at other schools. And Cole Taylor is one of those guys that, that loves LSU – and Penn State is no slouch when it comes to recruiting. So um, I think he would be the third toughest on that list. Miles Murrow is the toughest. Uh, ben uh, Ben Urasek, second toughest. And then Cooper, or uh, Cole Taylor. 
Well, it's fantastic stuff, Scott. I think we'll wrap it up there. Huge weekend. I know you're going to have your hands full. I'll be at the 7-on-7 seven seven with Kim uh, Grenolds. We'll be out there checking things out as well to see what's going on. Um, hopefully uh, catch up with one of the analysts out there uh, to maybe uh, give us a sense of what's going on and and, and also find out a little bit about uh, the other 7-on-7 seven seven that happened the weekend before. The Atavis, that was a, a huge one that you were out at. Uh, and that sounds like that's a 7-on-7 seven seven tournament that's about to blow up. Yeah, and you know the seven, the Husky seven on seven tournament, man. It it's one of my favorite events to go to, and I'm sad that I'm going to be at home calling kids <laughs> instead of out there and go and and so, thirty two teams going to be out there this weekend. See, and I thought you honestly, Scott, I thought you would be happy that they would be starting to spread out the official visits like this, so that you wouldn't necessarily be having to worry about calling twenty kids on a weekend in in early <laughs> December. But trust me, that's that's that is true. But a lot of those kids that of the so on a weekend when they had 20 visitors, sometimes five to 10 of those are commits. So they're a little easier to get a hold of. Plus, they're not necessarily the priority to get a hold of. You know what I mean? Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> look, I get to cover high school football recruiting. I get to cover the Washington Husky football program. These are first world problems. I get it. But, but uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, the Husky 7-on-7 seven seven tournament is one of my favorite ones to be, be at. You get to see a lot of parents out there that, that you know a little bit, get to talk to some of the high school coaches, watch Washington's coaches walk around, and, and, uh, and you know, you can kind of see them work work on some of these families. I remember when Kyler Gordon's team was up there, and, they, and Chris Peterson spent a lot of time with his family um, on, on his, um, you know, when his team was up there throwing the ball around, um, I know that, um, Kennedy will be there and Washington's in on a lot of those guys. Um, Savelle Smalls, my guess is he'll probably be there. Um, so <laughs> I don't want to get everybody excited, but Savelle Smalls will be up on campus. So Washington, I'm sure we'll be talking to him at least a little bit. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's just, it was one of my favorite events to go to during the summer, but you know what? I'll do my due diligence, be here with my family, and and uh, be calling kids uh, who are wrapping up their their official visits. So I will have as much as I can on those guys on Sunday. Well, that's great stuff, Scott. And just to recap, people, you heard it here. He thinks ten at the end of June might actually be underestimating the total number. So we're gonna we're not gonna not necessarily. Not ten more. No, no, no. But ten, ten you said the over the total number of ten commitments by the end of June, the five they have now, might actually be including the five they have now, might actually be underselling it. So I just yeah, maybe. just want to make sure people understand that. So people should be getting excited about this kind of stuff. Early recruiting is not what Washington wants to do, but they're gonna to try to take advantage any way they can. This weekend's going to be massive. Scott will be on the phones all day. We'll be out at the tournament checking things out. Like Scott said, it's great insight, too, because if you do follow the coaches around a little bit and kind of see where they're at, you get a great indication of who you feel kind of they're targeting, right? The, the guys that you kind of feel like, okay, if they're spending a ton of time with that guy and his family, they're starting to – they feel like they've got to be investing uh, you know, and try to get that relationship going a little bit. So good stuff there. We'll have a ton of content. Keep it on the message boards as well, guys. We're going to be there all the time. And as, of course, all this stuff breaks out on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else. We'll be on top of it. We'll have all that stuff for you on dogman.com. Also, we want to remind you as well, 
to get daily uh, updates in your inbox. All you have to do is send an email to huskystadium at gmail.com with the subject line newsletter. We'll make sure you get added to our list, and then that way you'll get all the breaking stories as they come out, as well as kind of a daily digest of stories that we've been working on as well. So we'll wrap it up there. Great recruiting update, Scott. For Scott Eklund, this is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Go dogs. Thank <laughs> you.